We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Got an exciting episode for you guys today. I'm joined by the Bleacher Blums, a brand new podcast to the Blue Wire Network, hosted by Jeff Blum, former Major League player, so you may have heard of him, and also David Tuttle, former professional baseball player. Even if you haven't heard of him, go look him up. Guys, what's going on? Thanks for joining me. Not much is going on, but it's good to be on here. It's good to talk to the Bronx every once in a while. I know that's going to be a point of contention, Jeff, <laughs> since uh, you are uh, a Houston Astro, Mr. Mr. Houston Astro, doing doing broadcasting for them. I'm not going to give you too much shit. I did, however, <laughs> take a, a gander at your baseball reference page. I was just curious what your career stats versus the Yankees were. Do you have any idea what they were? I have no clue. They couldn't have been good. Uh, I only played... Well, I was... The only thing... The only memories I have from Yankee Stadium are... It was almost uh, maybe about, what, nine, ten years? Oh, man, it might be closer to 20 years ago that we no-hit the Yankees in Yankee Stadium with six pitchers. That yes. was uh, one of the highlights. And yes, then, I remember that. Yeah, and then I think my only home run at Yankee Stadium was off of uh, Paul Quantrill. It, but other than that, everything else was just getting wrecked by the New York Yankees. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, so Dave, do you have any 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 guesses at what uh, Blummer's career stats versus the Yankees were? I don't, you know. I, 99 played appearances. Big, uh, okay. Oof. Well, he remembers a home run, so what is that? Let's see, 10 hits, let's say, would be 100, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you think you got 10 hits at Yankee Stadium, Blummer? Uh, you know, probably not. All right, so there you well, go. So not not good, Andrew. Right? He hit he hit one twenty nine, but that's all right. There you he's, go. Yeah. he's still he's still in the big leagues, and that's more than say about ninety nine point yes. nine percent of the people out there. So that's I'm happy right. to have you guys on. You guys, uh, I've listened to your show a few times. I think you guys have great chemistry, and uh, you guys talk about obviously baseball, but a lot of different things. Right now in baseball, uh, the big thing going on, obviously, is is the pitcher substances. So I wanted to get your take because, Tuttle, you're a pitcher. Jeff, you're a hitter. So I wanted to get your opinion on what is going on. So uh, from a pitcher perspective, Tuttle, what do you think of this entire you know situation? Yeah, 
Great question, Andrew. Um, Blummer and I've had this discussion quite a few times on our podcast. So if you want to get more in depth, you can obviously listen to it. But I, I think, um, you know, our ultimate conclusion was that baseball should come up with a substance that's universal, similar to like pine tar or something like that, a pitcher substance, and let everybody use it, right? They can market it. They purchased Rawlings a couple of years ago and, you know, they changed the baseballs to their liking and, you know, to the, the marketing experts up and high in the tower. But, um, but I think the, the overall or the overarching point is that substances have been around for a long time. And, you know, whether it be rosin, the rosin bags on the mound. So whether you lick, you know, lick your fingers and use rosin or you add some sunscreen to the rosin, um, if you want, if you, this isn't about, uh, whatever spin rate, this is about having a good grip on the ball and knowing where it's going. And I think, uh, hitters will tell you that that's super important. I mean, ask Kevin Pillar. Um, how he feels about, you know, the ball slipping out of pitcher's hands. And, you know, it's been around for a long time where I draw the line as a pitcher. And this is similar to the steroids areas when you're kind of cheating the game or cheating is different. So I knew guys that would, you know, you could put a glop on the side of the ball and the ball would look like a knuckleball or it wouldn't rotate correctly or, you know, things like that. So when you're actually making an effort to have the ball do something that's not supposed to do like wiffle ball, we're all familiar with wiffle ball, <laughs> then, you know, then I think that's where you're crossing the line. But I, any hitter, any pitcher would tell you, they just, they're using it for grip, not for spin rate. And they want to be able to have the location that, that, you know, that they're intending. But spin rates are up across the league. So, and that's the reason, that's the number one reason why, I mean, love or hate him, love him or hate him, Trevor Bauer. I think he's <laughs> I think he's right in the sense that the number one way to increase your spin rate is to add substances to the baseball. So so, so I, I understand what you're saying. Better grip hitters might prefer that. Yeah. Blummer, you could speak to this from a hitter's perspective, mm -hmm. even though you would rather have a pitcher have a better grip because you don't want to get drilled in the face. It's still going to be harder to hit that slider that's spinning at 300 extra RPMs than it normally would. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things to unpack because I'm actually, you know, I my original theory was the same as Pete Alonzo's where it was, yes, I want the pitcher to have more control by having that stick him on there. And yes, I, almost, I do want him to have the regular spin rate that he normally has because if I'm watching video, if I'm facing a guy and, and I see the nasty, I want to get prepared for the nasty. So when I do recognize spin or I guess right, and I can anticipate where that baseball is going to be, then I think it gives me a better chance to go out there and hit it. And if he doesn't have his stuff that day or he doesn't have the right grip, I don't know where that ball is going to break or how to anticipate where it's going to be. Uh, there is, a, there is a, a peace of mind knowing that he's going to be in the zone with it, but there's also a peace of mind in knowing that that, that filthy slider that he's bringing is going to break the way my, my imagination is anticipating it so that I can try and get a hit off of it. But at the same time, you know, everything that I know is only from what I've experienced. And when I was playing in the game, I was a guy who was a proponent of use all the stickum you need. If it's sunscreen, if it's rosin, if it's pine tar, you know, be discreet about it. Don't go out there and just, you know, Michael Pineda, the thing on the side of your neck, but right. try and be a little more discreet about it and go out there and have your command, have your spin and put the ball where you want to be. So I can anticipate it a little bit better now. I'll be that guy that says, back in my day, you know, guys weren't throwing 95 plus miles an hour. I think Boog Shambi put out a tweet the other day that said 93 guys in the major leagues are averaging 96 miles an hour or more. And when, 
And when, when I was facing guys, you know, there was the occasional Billy Wagner that was throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh, you know, John Rocker's another guy that was in the mid-90s. But there weren't 93 guys I had to worry about. There were a handful. So that's where I kind of separate where, you know, this day and age, maybe it is, maybe they do need to regulate or maybe they do need to pull back on some of the substances they're using because these guys are wicked nasty. DeGrom's got a 93-mile-an-hour slider that seems ridiculous to try and hit. Um, but the, the thing about the spin rate is that's how they evaluate pitchers to be in the big league. So I, I understand why guys want to use that oh, yeah. to increase their spin rate, to be more appealing in the big leagues. And ultimately what everybody wants to do in the show, get paid. And, and that's, that's a valid point. What I was going to say, there's two things unpacked there. First of all, rocker and Gagne both were juiced. So that's, those are well, kind of like, they had the double right, whammy. Yeah. They had the steroids and the, and the stick there you go. So, but I'm just saying, so when you're going, oh yeah, you got to face a guy like that. The other thing there is that remember like Sandy Koufax, I mean, they weren't like scouting the spin rate on his curveball. They just knew nobody could but hit it. But they couldn't. And they so couldn't. I think. Yeah. There was right. technology. Right. So that's my point. So we're now getting like spin rate is this new statistic. And we talk about this all the time, the analytics versus the, you know, the eyeball test. I mean, what was spin rate in 1977 or 78 or 85? And now, like you said, these guys are looking at, oh, yeah, the spin rates are up and the spin rates are down. It's just a new marker and a new measure. Very similar to Blum's point about the velocity. You know, when we had we had the ray gun and the jugs gun back in my day and back in my day, sound like the old guy, too. But the jugs gun would read the ball as it crossed the plate or the ray gun would read the ball across the plate. The jugs gun was an out of a hand reader. So now you have guys with stronger arms. They start doing perfect game tournaments earlier. They want to be a big league pitcher at you know 12 years old. So they're developing earlier, but they're also measuring these things with new technology and new, um, you know, new, uh, I guess, methods. And so sometimes we have to take that into consideration as well. But these new methods have measured that even over the past three, four, five years, spin rates have, have gone up. So I, I, I get what you're saying that we don't know what the spin rate was on a Sandy Koufax curveball. It was probably very high. It was probably one of the highest in the league at that time. But if you take a Sandy Koufax curveball and compare it to a Garrett Cole curveball, I, I'd bet a lot of money the Garrett Cole curveball has got a higher spin rate than Sandy Koufax. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is about this day and age, too. So, you know, what Trevor Bauer, to your point, uh, kind of speculated at back in what was it 2017 and 2019 when Garrett Cole was a member of the Astros was all of a sudden he shows up in an Astro uniform and, and his four seam fastball is jumping through the zone yeah. uh, getting the strikeout rates the, the slider all of a sudden came out of nowhere and he's and he's snapping guys off he's all of a sudden a strikeout machine so Bauer's idea was that something was going on and he went in the off season and went to wherever he works out the farm drive line, whatever it was, and actually experimented with it and found through his metrics that he did increase spin rate. And now you get to this day and age where in the last two weeks, so there's a lot of speculation about them regulating and checking guys for some of this sticky substance. And guess what? Just the threat of it, certain guys around the league have dropped a good 300 RPM off their spin rates. And that's probably the most telling thing is now, instead of having your eyes tell you that something's a little askew, you actually have the data to back it up. And that's, what's crazy to me. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not going to go down the, I promise we'll do this another time. I'm not going to go down the rabbit <laughs> hole of what the hell the Astros were doing over the past few years. 
But if you're telling me that they weren't doing anything as far as sticky substances, I don't believe you because I think it's it's pervasive throughout the league. So I think well, Trevor I, Bauer. I, love, I appreciate you saying that, actually, because when Garrett Cole was here in 19 and Trevor Bauer's spouting off, everybody was like, Astros, Astros, Astros. And now Garrett Cole's a Yankee. And guess what they're saying? They're like, oh, Major League Baseball has a problem. Well, <laughs> but Garrett Cole has kind of been the face of this problem. And Absolutely. He, and whether you want to say that started in 18 when Trevor Bauer called him out, I know people theorized that they had they had a feud all the way back to college because they were teammates in college. Yep. They, ha- they have said that's not true. But who the hell knows? Trevor Bauer is a wild card. So like, oh, completely. Just, He's gonna. He he called out. He called. He was probably. He was probably jealous of Garrett Cole. Okay. He probably <laughs> went on Baseball Savant and saw that his his spin rate was up thirty percent. And he's like, "What the hell's going on here? I know how he did this." And he probably just decided to tweet it because that's that's the kind of guy he is. Love him or hate yep. him, like I said. So do we equate Trevor Bauer with Mike Fires? I don't know. Whoa. Throwing at your college <laughs> teammate under the bus and like outing him in public in the public forum. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I just think that uh, th- there was that SI article. I actually talked to Stephanie Epstein, who, who wrote the article. I talked to her last week and there was there was a quote from Charlie Blackman in there. And he said, everyone blames hitters for striking out so much because all they're trying to do is hit home runs. He said, well, guess what? It's really freaking hard to make contact in today's in today's game. <laughs> and he's right. I agree. Like you said, Blummer, the last guy, the last jabroni out of the bullpen is throwing 96 <laughs> miles an hour. Okay? If you threw 96 miles an hour in 1999, you were the number one reliever on the team. No questions asked. Oh, hands down. You're a trade bait. You're a multi-year contract. You're a closer. You're... You're a guy who's getting all the attention. I, I 100% agree. Now, like you said, you know the Detroit Tigers or the you know the Minnesota. What's funny? We we just got done watching the Astros play the Minnesota Twins, and the Twins are not having the best year. Uh, injuries, pitching, but they brought a guy out of their bullpen that I had never heard of, Alcala. He throws 100. <laughs> he threw a pitch 100 miles an hour, and we're just kind of looking at each other going, wait a minute, this guy was the throw-in from the Astros to get Ryan Presley in return, and now he's throwing 100 miles an hour? That's exactly to your point what you're talking about. Yeah, and and another point that came up in the pod I did last week was that because the, the pitchers have a better grip, they're able to throw max effort and control it. Where And Tuttle, you could speak to this. That's you're definitely a pitcher. the attitude these days. You're a pitcher. If you if when you were throwing max effort, could you like it was probably harder to hit your spots, right? So you you might have to take 10% off in order to hit the corner. Whereas now they can throw hundred percent effort and still hit the corner because they got they've got Superman grip on the ball. Yeah, I mean it's it's a valid point. I don't remember. I mean, I kind of felt like everything was off the same arm speed, but it, it, it is a valid point, meaning you're working your way into, all right, I'm going to work the ball low and away a couple times in a row, and you got to get your arm slot correct. And then when you overthrow, you might yank it or let it go. And obviously the grip will help. But I honestly, and this is just personal, right? So anecdotal. I mean, sometimes that, you know, the rosin would be too sticky, right? And the ball would hang on your finger too long or there, you know, I mean, you really like all of this, this is an art form, right? So, you know, as you said about Cole, maybe he's learned to master pitching with the grip substance that he's been using. And that's why his spin rates are up and everything. I mean, again, Blum and I really try to not do the comparator across generations. I did bring up Sandy Koufax with the, with the data, but 
I mean, you try not to compare this era to that era because it's all different now. And, you know, like you said, every guy's throwing so hard, measurable or not. Um, but, you know, I, you make a good point, right? Your max effort, anything you watch guys on golf, right? Max effort and they yank it because they're trying to go a little bit further. I mean, I think that's a, it's, it's a completely valid point. I guess the overall point I was making earlier about the grip is when you're crossing the line for me, isn't that you're throwing harder, your spin rates are up. I mean, that's, that's if it's still legal and everybody's, you know, following the same rules or they're not policing it. It's when the ball's doing things it's not supposed to do. And I guess to your point, Andrew, you could argue that if your spin rate's up 200, you know, whatever RPMs or 300 RPMs, then maybe that's where Major League Baseball is trying to police it. Yeah. And it, this this whole thing got compared to steroids. And I think people missed the mark on on that comparison in this sense. So you just said that if the ball's doing something it shouldn't do, like if it's if it's not if it's spinning in like an oblong fashion, like that's not what it's supposed to do. But also increased spin rate is not what it would have done out of that pitcher's hand if he wasn't using substances. Same thing with a hitter using steroids. He would have still maybe hit the ball, but it would have landed on the warning track instead of landing in the second row. So it's kind of the same thing in that sense. It is a performance enhancer. I don't think it's as uh, serious of an issue as PEDs, but it is still a pitcher performance enhancer. And you could actually make the argument PEDs were more level because a pitcher could use them and a hitter could use them. Yeah. How is a hitter going to use sticky substances to hit the ball better? Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I have two to that. We don't want to unpack the steroid era again because Blum and I have kind of gone. I lived through the steroid era, and you were we, talking about yeah. guys like you would, you would have guys leave spring training, you know, the end of the season, like tired, fatigued, throwing like 86, 87, 88. They came back to spring training the next year, like, oh, I played winter ball in Australia. And the guy was throwing 96. <laughs> I mean, the velocity certainly got it for PDs. The PDs for me were recovery. Yeah. People misunderstand that. And pitchers were fear or hitters were fearless. So you would throw a ball in and they would stand right back in the box. And you, you know, you didn't have both halves of the plate. So that's a different thing. But I, I do agree with your point, Andrew. And I think, you know, I, I say this all the time. Tell me what the rules are. And let us all play by those rules. And then that's fine. So, you know, there are those people that argue like everybody should take PDs. Like what? I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But and I think that's that's a valid point. Meaning Jeff made that point initially. If the curveball breaks like this on video or if this is what I'm getting prepared for, let's just have that be realistic and the same all the time. Yeah. And then once you set those rules, you have to trust that the players will abide by them and. <laughs> I know you guys are both former players. Sorry to say, hey, I don't man. trust. I don't trust your kind. You guys are I, well, ruthlessly competitive, and you will do anything to get an edge. So you're yeah. gonna bend the rules. That's just like we've seen it. Oh, completely for a hundred years. We've seen it. You've for seen it for a hundred years. It's been going on for decades, and it it happens in every sport uh, where guys try and you know use the parameters are set, but how far can they bend them and mold them to their their you know well being and make them better. Uh, the steroid thing is a little tough for me to stretch because I agree with you in the sense that pitchers and hitters could take it. So there were a little more of a level playing field and there was an option. You know, I feel like there's so much evidence showing that, you know, the spin rate can make you a better pitcher, whereas PEDs weren't necessarily going to make every player that much better. 
Uh, for every Barry Bonds, I saw 10 guys take him and stir in, in the minor leagues and disappear just because they did not have the physical ability to go out there and, and enhance that. But, uh, you know, what's interesting to me, and I, uh, part of me understands, and you're talking about pitching within the rules and, and dealing with, you know, the cards that are dealt to you. How do I make this a little bit better situation? Uh, one thing we talked about on our podcast that I don't think gets talked, at, talked about enough, and I, <clears throat> and I do believe it's because baseball doesn't want to talk about the dirty little secret that they own the baseball. Yeah, Major League it's, it's Baseball insane. can manipulate the baseball. 2019, we saw home runs off the chart and nobody was bitching and moaning about strikeouts because how exciting is it to watch everybody hitting home runs and hitting at 450 feet and the pitchers over here going, holding on to this golf ball going, man, this thing is slick, it's small, it's perfectly round, so it's going to fly and, you know, the the draft off the baseball is going to be different. I'm going to have to spin it at a different rate. And I can't feel the seams. There's no seams, so there's no drag when this ball is flying through the air. How do I compete with this and get away from those guys hitting home runs? Oh, rosin, sunscreen, uh, the special mix of spider tack that I figured out, and I'm going to go out there and spin the hell out of this thing trying to beat these guys. But Major League Baseball has always been a step behind for me personally, whether it be the steroid era, whether it be the you know betting in baseball, whether it be sign stealing because they open pandora's box and like you said andrew players are going to manipulate the situation in front of them to their advantage and that's happened in all of those situations and now it's the the sticky stuff that spin rates are up can you think of another situation in which players no okay we won't go there but <laughs> but so for the yeah well, the, i'll admit it they took full advantage of it you know oh, i have yeah, no problem yeah. with that but that it just goes in line with what's going on how major league baseball is like Oh, we we had no idea yeah. they were going to do that. No, Come they on. put live video in the would. dugouts. The Red Sox, the Yankees, <laughs> yeah. there were all little evidence of that. You know, and you brought up a good point about all sports, like NASCAR, right? Every NASCAR race, somebody oh, gets fined for the little. I mean, everybody's looking for an edge and an advantage. And I think Blummer already pointed out, we talked about it on our podcast extensively. It'd be interesting to see a front page article saying this all kind of started um, when Major League Baseball bought Rawlings. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think we're going to look back on these four, four-ish years, say in 10 years. We're going to look back at these four years and we're going to just consider it the, the juice ball era because I think statistics mm-hmm. are going to be as out of whack as they were in the PED era. Home runs were up across the league like 22% in 2019. I always use the example that Brett Gardner hit 28 home runs in 2018. 
or excuse me, 20, 2019. I love Brett Gardner. He's been a Yankee his entire career. He's not a 28 home run hitter. Okay. He's, he's a <laughs> we, seven. We home, can admit that. He's a seven to 10 home run hitter and he hit 28 of them. Okay. It's like Brady Anderson hitting 50. It's kind of the same say, thing. That was yes. my equivalency. That's exactly Brady right. Anderson it's like 50. you look down yeah. his baseball <laughs> reference page, 11, 9, 7, 28. What the hell happened? He didn't do steroids, <laughs> but the baseball had freak. It flew like a Nerf ball. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Big and pitchers, pitchers strikeouts were up in 2019. They runs were not up. Home runs were up. Astronomical mm-hmm. runs were not up. Offense was not up. It's just the only time teams scored was home runs. Cause it was easier than ever to hit home, uh, home runs. I don't think it was a good brand of baseball. And so baseball, nope. the, the league then looked at that and said, oh, crap, we got this problem on our hands. Let's change the baseball again. And so <laughs> we've had like you look at these spikes of like juiced seams, all this stuff being changed. It it it, it blows my mind that that this is how they've treated it. But then at the same time, I look at how they've handled other things. And I'm not surprised at all. And, and that's no, Blumber's point. They're always a step behind, and it's unfortunate because if you want to compete with the NFL and you want to compete with the NHL and you want to compete with the NBA and you want to be a global sport and you want people to take you seriously, you've got to have good thought leaders and good, you know, um, a good organization so that you can so that you can make decisions ahead of this, right? We've talked about Des Bryant, the catch or the no catch before. Like the next year, instant replay was part of the NFL. Um, whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. They were forward thinking. They were trying it out every year. They have their competition committee discuss, you know, whatever the next item is on the table. And MLB, if they continue to have this, like, I don't know if you want to call it PR disaster. I mean, yeah, they took advantage of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in 1998 and got the got everything kind of rolling in the right direction. And then there's the PED scandal, and it's like you just lose all the credibility that you got gathered before. So um, it's a challenge. And, um, you know, I think we always say you want people, the good decision makers, get some attorneys, get some people in there. But how about some people that played the game and that understand the game and where it's going? Um, We haven't talked about this on this podcast, but the shifts. Right. So why would not you have the shifts and you have better scouting and you have a juice? ball? It's like, why would guys try and punch the ball the other way? (laughs) Their 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 best option is to hit one out over all of these oh, yeah. guys that are now standing seven guys on the other side. So, you know, pitchers definitely everybody's looking for an edge. But I mean, the game is changing, and I think if you if we want to have better discussions about who the best players are and where baseball is headed, we have to get some ground rules and some good foundational um, uh, leadership in place so that we can kind of talk about the real things, right? Like strategy and and the better teams instead of what's going on with the substances and PTs. Yeah. It's a multitude of factors why the game is where it is. Uh, and I still love baseball. I still watch every Yankees game, but I have said millions of times, it's not as fun to watch the games as it was 10, 20 years ago. It's just not enough happens in my opinion. And it's not just juice baseballs. It's not just strikeout rate. It's, all of those things, plus pitcher substances, mm-hmm. plus analytically driven front offices who are trying to find players who can maximize the launch angle and maximize home runs and three true outcomes. It's all of those things wrapped in <laughs> wrapped in one. So it, it's a big mess. Hopefully it'll be sorted out. I'm not I'm not going to be the guy to figure it out. I wanted to talk about something uh, that's more Yankee specific with you guys. So uh, the Yankees are spiraling and their manager. I don't think Boone. I think Boone should be fired. I've said that. But I'm curious, from your guys' perspective as players, 
does making a managerial change midseason really do anything? Or is it like, have you ever played for a team where the manager was fired midseason and you noticed a drastic change in the clubhouse? Man, I've played for teams where I was praying for a manager change, but never happened. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it all depends on the situation. And, you know, truth be told, I'm, I'm friends with Aaron Boone. I'm an Aaron Boone fan. I've been, people can may you not get know me in touch under, with him. I got some things to say to him. Oh, I was going to say, I've got my phone right here. We can go ahead and try and see if we can get him on the call, podcast. Call him up quick. right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and what's funny, in, people on your podcast may not know this, but I, I grew up with Aaron Boone. We were, you know, in Southern California. I've been playing against this dude since he was like 16 years old and all the way through uh, when he was coming up with the Reds, I was coming up with Montreal. So I've got a lot of history and played with him at, when he was a Houston Astro and he had the open heart surgery. But um, there can be situations where a change at the top will alter the mood uh, of a clubhouse and just from afar, you know, I, I do I do watch the Astros on a regular basis and I do pay attention to games across the uh, across the uh, Major League Baseball. But watching what's going on with the Yankees, it, it seems stagnant. There's something stuck in that organization. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's Aaron Boone. I'm not sure if it's Brian Cashman. I'm not sure what it is because I'm not close enough to the situation. But to have that much talent on one team, and I don't care if they're right-handed or left-handed hitters. I don't think that has anything to do with it. There's something stuck. There's something in the way of allowing those guys going out there and performing at the best of their ability because even though the record and what they're doing may dictate that they're not one of the better teams in baseball, I guarantee you every ballpark they go to, the opposing team's going, holy shit, we got to step it up because this is the New York Yankees. And when I'm a, if I'm a pitcher and I'm going through the nine guys that are in that uh, lineup, I know there's ways to get them out, but I know damn well I've got to be very careful in how I go get these guys out. Because if I make a mistake, all of a sudden it's it could be ten to nothing in, in three innings with you know runners on base and and home runs. But um, I, I think there could be an issue in a stagnant lineup like that because it feels like there's something impeding those guys going out and doing what they're doing. If it's Aaron Boone, it's Aaron Boone. If it's not, they've got to figure it out. But right now, I agree with you. They're struggling trying to find a way to get past this. Can I give you an example? So I'm not foolish enough to yeah, think that please Aaron, do. I'm not foolish enough to think Aaron Boone can change like a guy struggling at the plate. Like he's not out there fielding mm -hmm. the balls and hitting the balls. But the Yankees four times this year have ran into an out at third base where there's been a guy on oh, second dude, base. Base running these days is terrible. There's been a guy on second base. And there's a ball hit to shortstop and four separate times they have run when the ball's hit in front of them and been thrown out. Four times as a major league baseball team. Okay. That's I learned coaching. that shit in T-ball. That's coaching. So I'm not foolish enough to think that he can go out there and make everyone hit 300, but he can damn sure get some of these fundamental mistakes out of this team. And they're not. This team has regressed mm -hmm. Since the day that the season ended in 2017 and they lost to those cheating Astros, they have regressed <laughs> since then when they were supposed to progress. And I haven't seen it. So that's why I think he needs to go. And nothing no, against it, the guy. I'm a, sure he's a great guy. but the, uh, Good guy apart. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of good people out there that do stupid things. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, the, the, that is a coaching issue. I agree with you in that sense. And that's one of the things not being able to cover them because I can – you know, I hoot and holler all the time about Jose Altuve, you know, running into a, an out at second base when the ball is clearly beating him by 30, 40 feet. 
you know, there are certain instinctual things that uh, you can't teach, but there's things like you're talking about that can be taught and are directly put on the manager or the coaching staff. And to that point also, it's how you manage your pitching staff, how you manage your rotation, how you manage your bullpen. And uh, there's there's few opportunities, I think, these days for managers to have an impact on a game. And that's one of them that you're talking about. And then I, uh, I think how they how they manage the uh, rotation and bullpen, too, can have an effect on uh, wins and losses. I, I had a couple of points there, too. So just for clarity. So Aaron Boone was my roommate in A-ball coming up with the Reds. Oh, as well. man, I didn't know any of this. This is great. Isn't this yeah. great? Isn't that so, funny? Um, yeah. I feel like I, yeah. I'm pretty close. To, I, I feel like I can convince you guys to let me talk to him to get him on the pocket. <laughs> yeah, here's his cell phone number. Um, but uh, but but I will say this, and, and Blummer knows this too. I mean, as you get older, you do you pull the business part away. Like if Blummer's being hired as a manager for a team, like so, Aaron's great guy. Dave Roberts was a teammate of mine as well, and and Blummer knows Dave Roberts really well. Dave Roberts was a Mookie Betts like home run rob away from getting fired last year, and then they won it all. Like I mean. You know, they weren't going to seven, eight, you know, National League West championships in a row, but no World Series. And, you know, it's like, all right, they were so that 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 part aside. So you pull the person away from the baseball. Um, you and I talked about right before Blummer jumped on, you know, Kevin Cashman is kind of the he's the longstanding uh, guy there. And when George Steinbrenner was there, you know, George kind of put the hammer on him. You're saying Hal is kind of let, you know, Kevin kind of Brian. take over some of the responsibility. And I feel like as as much as much heat as Bill Belichick gets for being, you know, cold and calculated, I don't know. You were saying that you thought some of the prospects get held on to too long. I mean, maybe Cashman's the guy to go. Um, you know, to Blummer's point, Aaron can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the base running stuff is inexcusable, but I texted Blummer, Duriel ran out to end a game. There was a ground Same ball way. in the hole between short and third. The guy would have had to throw all the way to first, and Guriel just kind of walked into an out at third base to Crazy. end the game. I was like, I've, I haven't seen, a, like you said, T-ball. I haven't seen a base running mistake like that in a long time. Like, all you do is freeze. They could add first and second. Anyway, that kind of stuff goes on throughout baseball. And again, we can, we talked about this earlier, about the shifts and the style of the game and how many off days do they have and when do they work on this stuff. Because spring training, we all dreaded it. Oh, we're doing first and thirds. Okay, great. The guy's running. Step off. Throw the ball to the second baseman where you get, you know, I mean, we work on that stuff in spring training, but you can't just go through the motions. And those kind of things do um, become magnified as, like you said, as you're spiraling, you know, spiraling down the drain. And, and the Yankees, boy, I mean, I'm a pitcher, you know, by nature. And yeah, Blummer hit it on the head, like looking at, you know, Giancarlo Stanton and, you know, I mean, like just going down that lineup and worrying about one through nine, that lineup is still formidable. And so to your point, Andrew, I mean, we're not like diehard Yankee fans. Um, I'm not really diehard anything except Giants fan. And, you know, I, I still don't live and die by everything they do. But the you're welcome from Mike high. Talkman, by the way. Dude, that go. guy's yeah. been raking. He's been great. And I saw him last year <laughs> when the Yankees had all those guys hurt. I went to Angels. Uh, I went to a Yankee Angel game. And uh, I mean, he was he was good then. So, yeah, thank you for that. Right. I mean, yeah, the but, Yankees but, basically but the had to is, give him away. That's right. But the <laughs> but the point is, like, well, Ursula came out of that. I mean, all these guys came out of, you know, that year where all these guys are hurt. But I guess the overarching point is whether it's Aaron or his staff or Cashman, I mean, maybe it's Cashman because 
he really is kind of the, you know, the top of the heap. And yeah. we've seen this in other sports where a guy takes a GM role and now he turns it into like president of baseball operations along with GM, right? And the owner's removed. And now you're wearing so many hats. Are it, are you able to handle that as an, you know, can you be a master of all these things? I don't know. Well, Cashman and Boone are tied. I think Ca- I think Boone's going to be the last manager that Brian Cashman hires. It's either going to work out and the team's going to turn around or Boone's going to get fired and then they're going to move on from Cashman shortly thereafter. But changing a general manager in the middle of the season is not going to do anything because the roster is what it is. The players need to play better. That's first and foremost. But I think the manager needs to change because I'm just seeing the same mistakes happen. And I and I and maybe Boone could be a good manager down the road. But I think he could have benefited from being on a coaching staff for a few years and learning a little bit more like the way Alex Cora did. And mm-hmm. uh, they they both took over teams at the same time. They both took over good teams at the same time. The Red Sox went on to win a World Series. And look, the Red Sox are doing right now under Alex Cora. And the Yankees, I mean, Boone took over, took the keys to a Ferrari and he's, he doesn't know how to drive stick. It's like... It's kind of frustrating. So I, I feel like if he was a bench coach or, or something like that, maybe maybe he could have benefited benefited from that. No, I agree. And you know, selfishly take guys from the booth and put them in the in the managerial spot. You know, it, it's much the game is. I can attest to this. It's much easier when you're sitting in that seat, you know, three hundred feet above the you know <laughs> sea level and be able to have a bird's eye view of everything. And you also have time to call the game too. You don't, you know, that's one thing I think gets lost in baseball is how quickly the game actually does move, and especially in the dugout for managers. And if they're not equipped to be able to handle that, it does become an issue. Um, you know, but there's got to be a certain about a, a certain amount of pride a, as a manager to go out there and have your players individually play accordingly. And I think Alex Cora is actually a great great example, other than the fact that he does have that stain of 2017 and 18 on there. What he's done this season with the Boston Red Sox has been absolutely remarkable. And I know the Astros played well against him, but that was a team that wasn't even thought about. And you talked about the keys to the Ferrari. This was not a Ferrari. You know, this was like, you know, a mid-level Lexus that, you know, was good and maybe had potential if you had a couple aftermarket, you know, rims and mufflers and, you know, auto-tuned it. But he's actually been the auto-tune for them and gotten to play well. And I think that's probably a lost art. Uh, with analytics being involved is that the expectation is the computer could manage a team. Whereas yeah. I think you need the personality in that dugout that finds a way to, to plug into each and every player individually, as hard as that sounds, but find a way individually to plug into those guys. And how do I motivate this guy? How do I get this guy to have the kind of pride to play hard every single night? Yeah, for sure. The, the human element, I, I, I think that the human element has been stripped out of the game uh, to, to a large degree. And the human element is what makes the game most exciting because we're not watching an algorithm. I don't want to watch an algorithm. I want to watch players. I want to watch players that have unpredictable, uh, unpredicted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unpredictable outcomes. So, you know, anyway, Andrew, guys, uh, yeah, go I, have, I have one more thing. Do we have to are we for wrapping it up here? Yeah, a couple minutes. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, just one more thing about that. And this is what I've always said about the Yankees in general. And I had this problem in college. So I went to Santa Clara University and we were kind of a mid-level, like, you know, no Berkeley or Stanford over there, <laughs> Blummer. But, not even uh, close. You know, but, not even <laughs> close. <laughs> just but we went to the regionals. We went to the regionals a couple years in a row. And Santa Clara is a small <laughs> university about 20 minutes south of uh, where Stanford is in Palo Alto and, you know, an hour south of San Francisco where like Berkeley and those schools as well. But uh, 
we recruited local guys. Like they went to Bellarmine Prep and they went here and like they got the best players from the Bay Area to make a good team at Santa Clara. And then we went, went to the regionals a couple of years in a row. And um, after we went to the regionals, they started coming down to Southern California, like, hey, Southern California has some better talent. So let's go down there. Well, guess what? Now Santa Clara University is recruiting against USC, UCLA, uh, Fullerton, Long Beach for, you know, that, those kind of guys. And then they were like, all right, well, let's Pepperdine, even Loyola Marymount, like all these schools. And we would get the runoff, like a guy that wouldn't choose those schools. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Yankees, you know, in the same vein, they don't. This is a chemistry thing, right? You can buy all these guys and put them in the same clubhouse. And I always felt the Yankees can do this. But I mean, obviously, they paid a ton of money for Garrett Cole. They paid a ton of money for, you know, Giancarlo Stanton. They go around the league and cherry pick these dudes like, well, this guy's the best guy here. And this guy's the best guy here. And that doesn't always make this is similar to the robot versus the human element point. They don't always make the best teams like you got to have the glue guy. You got to have the manager pushing the right buttons like Alex Cora is doing in Boston. And you got to have all that stuff kind of thought out beforehand. And a real good general manager and a real good manager will tap into that before they actually sign these guys on the dotted line. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think part of the, um, the stale aspect in New York is, you know, you guys have a great payroll and you get all the best players. And so the expectation level is high. But guess what? Some of these guys may hate each other. They may not get along. They don't like Nevin or they don't like Aaron Boone. And I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying if I were running a team, that would be a huge, huge variable for me to try and put the right pieces in place. And and I've always kind of, if I had to paint the Yankees with a broad brush, I've always felt like that would be their shortcoming, right? Yeah, I think you could definitely have pointed to that. And I think that was maybe their problem in the mid 2000s. Um, I don't know that that's their problem right now i think uh i think there's other other problems like the 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 pieces on the roster i don't think fit together but not from a chemistry or a personality standpoint i think from a skill set standpoint more so is Mm -hmm. what what their shortcomings are it's like like i joked that the yankees had to basically give away mike talkman because they they left spring training with five outfielders and no backup infielder and like that's that was um, i'm not exaggerating that's what their roster they left camp with so then when they had an injury in the infield, they didn't have a backup shortstop. They had to call up Tyler Wade and they needed to clear a roster spot. So Brian Cashman basically had to take what he could get from Mike Talkman, who, you know, he's a, he's a controllable, good defensive outfielder, would, would have been nice to hang on to. But because they had four out, five outfielders, one of which can't play the outfield in Giancarlo Stanton, <laughs> it's like the roster, like, like, it's like a, my my co-host Scott always jokes. It's like a bad fantasy football owner who did, didn't plan for the bye week. It's like, what are you doing, Cashman? It's like, so that, that's, that, that's actually the best analogy I think out there. Because, you know, that kind of goes to, you know, Tuttle's point a little bit where you're like, this guy's a sexy pick. He's a sexy, uh, you know, guy to put in a uniform because he has the potential to do this. But if you look at the overall roster construction, you do need to have these defaults to go to because yeah. there are 162 game schedule is no joke. You're going to have injuries and you need to have that kind of depth. And it's unfortunate that Talkman is a guy that gets lost in the mix and has to be jettisoned because you need to find a replacement. Yeah. 
Well, this was a lot of fun, guys. I'd love to have you back on. Maybe we'll do this again when the Yankees and Astros are. I think they're playing in in mid or late July, so we'll we'll get you back on when 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 we can. Uh, when no, I think it's happen. only fair we have you on our podcast right before sure. the uh, Yankee series. I think there'll be a lot of fun. It was good being yeah. on with you, man. This is awesome. Yeah, so go check out Bleacher Blums. The guys, uh, they don't just talk Astros baseball. I want to stress that to, to the Yeah, Yankees please do listeners. that because that's we don't we we talk a little bit, but that is not the primary focus of the podcast. <laughs> no, no, I think it. I think it's uh, it's always good to hear from from former players. I think I think that's uh, you know something something that uh, everyone wants to hear. So so go check them out, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks for joining me. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.